Would you say this with me? Would you say rediscover church? Come on, let's do that a little bit better. Would you say it again? Rediscover church. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks as we gather together each week. Now, now here's what I know. I know that we're in the Bible Belt. I understand that, uh, you know, everybody's saved. Right? I think even the devil goes to church in the south. But what I found is, is that a lot of us have some real misconceptions about church. We have some real misunderstanding about what the church is about and how that it relates to us on a daily basis. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking in Scripture and finding out how the Word of God tells us how, the, how that God wants us to rediscover church. And as we do that, we're going to talk about our faith today, rediscovering our faith. Next week, we're going to talk about our family, the week following on our finances. And then we're going to close out this series talking about our future, how that the church plays into that. So if you want to take your Bibles today, go to the book of Luke, the seventh chapter. As you're doing that, let me greet the campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And we're thankful that you're joining with us today. I know that you've already had a great service. Wonderful things have already happened there. But today, now as we go into this whole process of rediscovering church, I want you to get ready to receive what God has for you, not only here, but those of you who are watching in our campuses today. Now, this, this whole aspect of rediscovering church, this, this whole thing about faith, how do we go about day in and day out living out faith? Let me ask a question to you this morning. How many of you have ever struggled with your faith? I'll wait. Come on, really? I mean, you're sitting back there going, no, I've never struggled. I'm not, I'm not asking for the Christian religious response. How, let's ask it again, those of you watching as well. How many of you have ever struggled with your faith? All right, thanks. You know, that made me feel better. If nobody else needed that affirmation, I did today, all right? Now, now here's what I know. I know that each of us struggle in different areas. You know, you get to looking at the tenets of the Christian faith. We get to looking at different aspects. And, and you know, you talk about uh, where the Scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and I go, well, that's not fair. Right? I mean, I, I just show up and I'm already, you know, there's already one mark against me. And, I mean, I added several on my own. I understand that, but... I'm sure you didn't, but I did. But, but you know, we, so we, we got this whole sin thing we start off with. We, we can blame Eve or we can blame Adam or we can just say if we'd been there, we'd done the same thing, right? And, and so we, we struggle with this whole sin thing. And then, and you know, you, you kind of ramp it up a little bit and you start looking at the whole process of Jesus Christ coming to the earth. And, and, and that's, that's a mind-boggling thing, right? H have y'all been saved so long you don't think these thoughts? Really? I, I mean, come on. I mean, can, can you imagine a 15, 16-year-old girl showing up in the youth department saying, uh, uh, by the way, I'm going to have a baby, but it's, uh, I, I haven't been with any guy. This is of the Holy Spirit. We'd do some counseling with her. We would first of all deal with a lying thing, right? And then then we talk to her about how to help her and, and on and on. And yet this, this whole thing about Jesus is, is that Jesus is born of a virgin. And so that one's kind of difficult to wrap your brain around. And, and then it talks about that he lived a sinless life. Now, I, I feel pretty good sometimes if I have a sinless 30 minutes. I heard somebody say, day. I hadn't worked one of those in a long time, guys. 
Really? Come on. You know, and, and so Jesus has lived this sinless life, and, and, and then the Word of God says that he died what we call a vicarious death on our part so that you and I could experience uh, his resurrection and his power and, and all those things. And, and you start talking about that, and then you begin to talk about this whole bodily resurrection thing. I mean, you know, I've read the books where people kind of see the light, right? You know, they're being operated on. I, so I went to the light. I went to the light. But they didn't go to the light for three days. Jesus is dead for three days, and then he gets back up. I mean, if that doesn't stretch your faith, right? And, and, and then, then if we finally say, okay, I believe that, I give my life to Jesus Christ, then I have to live that faith out with the church. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever gone to church? I mean, really, you, I, I've got to live this out with those people? People say, I don't want to go to that church. I don't like people. L listen, any church you go to, there's going to be somebody you don't like. Unless it's just you and one more, and you probably won't like them on some days. And, and so there's this whole, and, and then, you, then you throw in the part where, you know, somebody, you get wounded by what somebody says or, or, or you didn't do everything just right, and the, you know, people didn't stand, you know, whatever the issues are. And, and so we deal with this whole struggle day in and day out about faith. And so I want to show you today, we're, we're going to use the, the life of, of what the Scripture refers to as John the Baptist. Now, for those of you who are from a Baptist persuasion, it does not mean that John was a Baptist. All right, it just means he was really the baptizer, okay? So he can be a Baptist if you want him to be, but it really just means John the baptizer, all right? And, and so a little bit of the story of John the Baptist. John is born into a priestly family. His father is a priest in the temple there in Jerusalem. And he's born to a, to a husband and wife who had had no children. They're old now. God shows up and says, you're going to have a baby. And, and he kind of freaks out and says, man, I don't know. And anyway, you know the whole story. Finally, this, this son is born, and Zacharias calls him John. And, and you would think John would follow in the footsteps of his father. He's going to one day grow up. He's going to be a priest in the temple. He's going to do all the stuff. And yet what you find is, is that when he reaches a certain age, we don't know what that age is, but when he reaches adulthood, John goes out in the wilderness. He's a, he's a wild man. I mean, the Bible says he's clothed in camel hair. He's eating locusts and wild honey, and people are going out and saying, man, there's a freak show in the desert. Let's go out there and see what's happening. And they, they would show up just to see John, and then he'd get all over their case. He'd call them a brood of vipers. He, he would tell them they're whitewashed sepulchers. He would give all kind of stuff to them. And, and then he would tell them they needed to repent. And, he, and once they repented, he would baptize them. But he got to telling them one day, he said, you know what? There's one who's coming who is mightier than I am. He said, in fact, I don't even, I don't even need, I don't even have the authority to unlash his shoelaces. But he said, he, I've baptized you with water, but when he shows up, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, when, when you begin to see all of that, you also find that one day John's out there baptizing, and the Scripture says he looks up and he sees Jesus coming to him, and here's what he declares. He says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the whole world. He declares who Jesus is, all right? Uh, and, and Jesus says something about John the Baptist that is intriguing to me. Here's what Jesus says about John the baptizer. He said about him, he said, There is no one who is born of woman who is greater than John. 
Now think about that statement because there had been some pretty great people before then, right? I mean, you, you know, you, you begin to look at the Scripture. You've got King David. He's a pretty great guy. Uh, you, you've got Esther. You've got, uh, you, you've got Solomon. I mean, you just begin to look at the Old Testament. There are a lot of great people, and yet Jesus said about John that there was none born of woman that was greater than John. But now watch this. John, after his ministry is, is over, uh, finds himself in prison. And this is where we're going to pick up today in the book of Luke, the seventh chapter. And let's look at verse number 20. We'll read down through verse 23. It says, when the men had come, these were disciples of John the Baptist. When the men had come to Jesus or to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the coming one? Now, remember, John's the one who said he's the one. But here he's saying, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Now, I, I want to I break it down for you for a minute. It's easy when you're standing in the midst of your peers to declare something. It's something else when you find yourself in prison by yourself. And this is what John's dealing with. And it says, and th at that very hour, uh, Jesus cured many infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And then he closes, verse 23, and he says, And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Now, I, I, wanna, I just think that Jesus kind of goes right to the heart of the matter there, and he understands that we are human. H how many of you know that you struggle at times in your faith with God? I'm not the only one, right? That, that there are those moments, there are those times. I, it doesn't matter how much you've prayed. It does not matter how much you read the Word of God. I mean, I read things in the Bible that I don't like, Right? I mean, you know, there's, there's things in the Bible, you know, that turn the other cheek. I don't like that. Uh, you know, you smack me, I don't want to say, oh, come on, here, you missed this side. Uh, you smack me, I'm going to hit you back. And if you're bigger than I am, I'm going to find something that I can hit you with. I mean, right, really? You know, I mean, lying, I mean, lying's pretty good sometimes. What's wrong with y'all? Does this make me look fat? One guy said a lie is a present help in a time of trouble. I, I, you know, I, the, the, there's all this stuff, you know, but the Bible kind of lays these things out. And so as you begin to look at them, you, you find that, that your faith moves in different dimensions. And so uh, the, the book of John, in fact, let me just read this to you. The book of John, the first chapter, and the 29th verse and the 30th verse says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him. This is that statement I made to you, but I want to read it. It says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he, I mean, he's, he's very explicit. This is he whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now, John makes this great statement, but in the book of Luke, we just read where he's going, not sure. See, so I want to give you some things about faith today, and I hope you'll write these down. The first thing I want to tell you about faith is that faith ebbs and flows. 
Now, what do I mean by that? There are moments in your life where you have great faith. And there are moments in your life where you couldn't believe for a gnat to be healed of a headache. There are those moments where it's, oh, man, I can believe God for the impossible and the wonderful and the marvelous, and, 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 and then. Then you go through tragedy, and then you go through heartache, and then you lose your job, or then your child winds up on drugs, or then, or then, or then, or then. And all of a sudden, that great faith that you professed at some point in your life has now seemingly bottomed out, and you don't even know if you still believe in Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's interesting when I preach this, is how we are so afraid to acknowledge it. The, the interesting thing about this is, is that I've been doing this for over 30 years, and I've talked to too many Christians who have experienced exactly what I'm talking about, but when you preach this, everybody wants to look holy. So we go, don't know what he's talking about. I've always had great I mean, I can, you know, I can hang with Robert Schuller. I got great faith. Yeah, really? I mean, you, you, ha you haven't had those moments where you went from the mountaintop to the valley in about three seconds? I mean, have you, you, Scripture's full of this. The Apostle Peter, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I mean, he has this great revelation, and Jesus says to him, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood is not revealed this unto you but my spirit. And you just keep reading a few verses, and Jesus turns around to the great revelator and says to him, get behind me, Satan. I mean, you talk about ebbing and flowing. You talk about going from the height to the depth. Peter goes from this great explanation of who Jesus is to all of a sudden Jesus calls him not you're like the devil. He said you are the devil. It's, it's this whole thing. So John the Baptist had declared Jesus as Messiah, but now he's in prison. And because of that, he is struggling with his faith. He is struggling with whether or not he is going to be able to maintain his faith in God Almighty because he says, you know what, if, if he really is, I, I've heard that he healed the sick and he cast out the devils. And he did. If he can do all of that, in fact, if you read Scripture, you'll find out just a little bit later, God uh, takes the apostle Peter, rescues him from jail. And so there, there's this whole thing of, of, of John the Baptist sitting in prison going, if he can do that for somebody else, can he do that for me? Have you ever had that question? I mean, have, have you ever looked at somebody else who God did something for, and then you look at your life and you go, well, if God can sell their house, why can't he sell my house? <laughs> if God can heal their child, why can't he heal my child? If God can provide them a great platform for ministry, why can't he do that in my life? And if you're not careful, you'll be like John the Baptist. Watch the greatest man ever born of woman who still at that moment says, are you the one or do I need to start looking for somebody else? So that's the first thing about faith. It ebbs and flows. Secondly, uh, Luke 7.20 says, when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? The second thing about faith is, is that faith can be questioned. All right? Not only does your faith do this, but it's okay to question your faith. 
I have people all the time who have said to me, Pastor, I was taught all of my life that you should never question God. Would you show that to me in the Scripture? Well, Job, no, 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 go read the book of Job. The Bible does not say Job got into trouble for questioning God. The Bible says that Job got into trouble when he charged God foolishly. When he began to say all this stuff and God said, whoa, 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 where were you when I flung the stars into the heaven? Where were you when I set the earth on its axis? Where were you in those moments? That's when God got ticked off at Job. Before then, listen, how many of you know that in the natural, when you have children, how many of you have small children still at home? Now you can define what small is. Maybe 25, I don't know. Uh, how many of you know that about two and three and four years of age, they, they are full of questions? Right? I mean, they want to know what everything is about. And, and they, how many of you know they also know how to get your attention? I mean, it starts off, Daddy, 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 Daddy. Right? And you finally whirl around and go, what, what? What's that? Well, that's a speaker. What's that for? Well, that's a let sound. What sound? I mean, you'll go, right? It, it'll just, you'll spend all day answering questions. But, but here's the cool thing about that. God created our children to be inquisitive so they would learn. Now, do you think that when you got saved, God wanted you to shut your brain off? God's not afraid. In fact, if God is afraid of our questions, he ceases to be God because he is all-knowing. So therefore, there's never a question that you have that, that catches God and he doesn't know how to answer it. Now, you may not always understand it, but you're going to know. So, so there's this whole aspect in your life you need to understand that it's okay. It's all right. In fact, just look at your neighbor and say, it's okay to question. See, for some of you, that's worth everything today because you have struggled with condemnation because you question things that happen in your family, in your life, in your surroundings, or whatever it may be. And so it's okay. It's all right. John the Baptist questioned, none born greater than John, so therefore if he questioned, then it must be okay for me because I'm not as great as he was. You ready for the third one? The third aspect is, is that faith looks at the evidence. Faith looks at the evidence. That, that's the understanding of faith. John 7, uh, 21 and 22 says, And at that very hour he cured many infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and the many blind he gave sight. And then the next verse goes on there, and it, and it talks about that Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John this, tell him all that you've seen, the lame walk, the deaf here. He gives them, he gives them that whole thing. And he says, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. So, so you, you need to come to an understanding that in this whole thing about faith, that faith uh, looks at the evidence. Now, I, I want to tell you something about faith. Faith is in recognizing what God has done. That's what faith really is. It's looking at the evidence and seeing what God has done. I mean, really, we, we come to this place, and I know that Christianity has, has not always done right. 
okay? If you look at 2,000 years of Christianity, you are going to find some areas and some times that Christianity veered off the path that it should. You're going to find uh, where some horrible things were done in the name of Christianity. Yet, if you look at the totality of Christianity, what you will find is that every culture that Christianity has permeated, that it has literally lifted that culture. It has taken it to a place that is different than before Christianity got there. Now, our problem is, is that we, we're, we have all these thoughts and all these ideas and all these wondering about, well, I don't know, you know, I can't prove it and I can't do this and I can't do that and on and on and on. And what you need to come to an understanding is, is that it takes more faith not to believe in God than it does to believe in God. I mean, when we are taught that we somehow that there was a huge explosion called the Big Bang, and out of the Big Bang, somehow the, the world began to spin, and then the earth began to cool, and it formed the, the, the continents, and, and then from there, uh, there was a swamp on the backside of Africa somewhere, and out of that swamp, there were a couple of uh, single-cell amoeba, amoebas that came together, and they formed, uh, you, you know, a toad frog, and then a toad frog became, uh, you know, this, and, and, and then all of a sudden, we became monkey, and then out of a monkey, we lost our tail, and here we are. Some of us have literally lost our tail, but not like that way. And, and, sorry. Uh, now, I, I want to tell you, to believe that, to me, requires greater faith than to believe in a creator. I mean, to me, that's, that's like saying that you go over here, I, I don't know, you, you go to a parts store and you buy, a, you know, a, a, a bucket of bolts and you take them out to your garage and you throw them in the garage on the floor and three days later you walk out and there's a brand new Lamborghini there. How did it get there? I don't know. It just came together and the parts just formed and Really? I mean, to me, that, that requires a greater amount of faith than it does to believe in a creator, in one who, who spoke the worlds into existence, who formed man, made him out of the dust of the earth. I, I, I think when I begin to understand that, I can look at the evidence. I can look at the evidence of creation. I can look at the evidence of Christianity and its whole. Don't take a part. Take the whole of 2,000 years and see what Christianity has done and how it has impacted the world positively much more than negatively. And as you look at that, just as Jesus sent back to John the Baptist's said, hey, wait a minute, here's the evidence of what's going on. Now get a hold of this because I want you to know something's taking place. The last part, though, is this. Luke, Luke 7, 23 says, and here's Jesus kind of wraps it up with John, and I think he does for us as well. He says, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Here's the fourth aspect of faith. Faith does not have to have all the answers. That's why it's called faith. If you had all the answers, you don't need faith. He's saying to John, hey, John, I, I, I want to talk to you. I want to I send you this word. Don't be offended because you're not getting out of jail. Don't be offended because I'm doing all of these things, and you're wondering if I can do this, why can't I do this? John, you don't have all the evidence. One day you will know. 
but right now you don't know. Now, when you study historically, what you find is, is that, that John literally gives his life. The king's daughter, actually stepdaughter, dances before him, and he is so moved at the moment, and we won't go into that, that he offers her anything she wants up to half of his kingdom. And the Bible says she goes and talks to her mom who hates John. And the Scripture says that, she comes back, she says, I want the head of John the Baptist on a silver platter. Now, at the moment John gives his life, he does not have all the answers, but his faith propels him forward. In your life, you've got to understand that you're not always going to have all the answers. God is not a cosmic Santa Claus who gives us everything we desire or want. We don't understand everything. Listen, I, I believe that God is able, but I also believe God does things in His way and in His times. And the Scripture says, now we see through a glass darkly, but then one day there's face to face. And so the book of Hebrews speaks it to us this way. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Pastor, how do I operate in this whole thing about faith? There may be some of you here today that you are here or you're watching me today and, and you're not sure about this Christianity thing. Maybe you've heard about it, maybe you've watched Christians, and I hope you've had some good Christians to watch but maybe they haven't all been good, and you've said, you know what, I don't really understand this Christianity thing. Here's what I want to tell you. According to God's own word, and I do believe the Bible is God's word, he says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. If I want to please God, I've got to live in faith. I've got to, at some level, take my faith and apply it to him. You say, I don't have any faith. Oh, yes, you do. Everybody's got some faith. First of all, the Scripture says God gives a measure of faith to everyone. Secondly, every one of us exhibit faith every day. In just a little bit, when we dismiss today, you're going to go out to your car, and you're going to start that car, and you're going to believe that that car is going to crank and not blow up. You live in faith every time you turn it. Do you realize that in your gas tank that there is gas that is highly explosive and in your crankcase that there is a thing called a spark plug that has fire? And do you realize that fire and gas produce what? An explosion, right? And yet you trust it. Some of you are nervous now, but you still, <laughs> you trust that when you turn that crank that it is going to run and not blow up. Why? Because you have faith. You have faith that you're going to work this week for 40, 50, some of you 60 hours, and at the end of this week you have faith in a corporation that you don't even know the president of that they're going to pay you, they're going to give you a salary check. We all have faith. It's just how that faith is designated and how we direct that faith. And so the Bible says it is impossible to please God without faith. And then it says if you're going to come to him, you've got to believe that he exists if you're going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ you can't be an agnostic 
You can't be an atheist. You've got to come to that place of saying, you know what? I genuinely believe that God exists. And we talked about why you should believe that today. And then it goes on to say, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, how, what's that reward about? The Bible says, if you seek him, he will be found. That's your reward. If you are here today or you're listening to me today and you say, you know what? I don't know about this Christianity thing. I don't know about this Jesus stuff. I want to tell you, try it. Take that step of faith. You do it in so many other areas of your life. You do it in so many other ways of your life. And this that I'm talking about today is one of the greatest things that you can ever do. And you know what? I have found thousands upon thousands of people in my ministry who have made that decision and whose lives have been changed. And some not just changed, but radically changed for good. You say, preacher, do you mean that they never have trouble again? Oh, no, no. I'm not going to tell you that. In fact, sometimes when you get saved, the devil cranks it up to a higher notch. All right? But here's what I know, that once I come to that place of, of giving my life to Jesus Christ, that even if like John the Baptist, that I'm in that moment, I'm in that place of difficulty, in that place of trial, in that place of tragedy in my life, I still know, the Bible says, in whom I have believed, and I know that he is able to keep that which I have committed against that day. That's what the Scripture says. And so today I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to take your faith that you have and apply it to your walk with God. Everybody has faith. Everybody is able to believe in something. I challenge you to believe in Jesus because he loves you more than you'll ever understand. The Word of God says that God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son into this world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. Listen, I don't have bad news for you today. I've got good news. God loves you. And God wants you to be in his family and walking in faith with him. And so I challenge you today, allow God to touch your life, to speak into your life, and to change your life for his glory.